Imagine loving your life after 50 and feeling energized and excited about your future. Welcome to the Women in the Middle podcast, the podcast for women who are ready to figure out what they want and create the life they deserve. Here's your host and master certified life coach, Susie Rosenstein. Hey there, welcome back to the podcast, Women in the Middle. I'm your host, Susie Rosenstein, and I'm so glad to be with you again for this week's episode, which is part of my series called Getting Real with Women in the Middle. Getting Real introduces you to real-life women in the middle who have made a big change and figured out how to love their midlife. But before we dive in, I wanted to mention a few things. First, if this is your first episode of Women in the Middle, I am so glad you found the podcast. Welcome. Women in the Middle is about actionable life coaching for women in their 50s designed to help with career boredom, career change, midlife crisis, transition, and empty nest issues, all from a mindfulness perspective. And I describe it as actionable because we're getting our hands dirty. It is a really practical podcast. What we're really doing is helping older and wiser women get excited about their lives again. Because as you know, this whole aging thing, I don't know about you, but sometimes it can surprise you and it can be, you know, just a little bit of a drag. So if you haven't done so yet, please go to www.susierosenstein.com slash midlifefunk to grab your copy of my free ebook, 10 Surprisingly Simple Ways to Bust Out of Your Midlife Funk. While you're surfing around my website, you will also see how to work with me. So if you are frustrated and stuck and know that it's time for you to make a change, you should definitely book a free 20-minute mini insight call with me and see what my coaching program is all about. It's simple. Just go to www.susierosenstein.com, hover over the About tab, and you will see free session on the drop-down menu. Click there and you can book straight into my calendar. It is so easy and I can't wait to see your name in my calendar so that we can connect. Okay, let's get going. Today's Getting Real interview is with somebody who has completely changed her life since she turned 55. I am so excited to give a warm welcome to this guest. And I have to tell you, today we are not in the Cedar Closet. I am in Texas and I'm sitting right next to Patty. So imagine a beautiful kitchen in Texas, not the brown cedar of my cedar closet. And that is what is going on here right now. So I'm thrilled to give a warm welcome to Patty Shore. Welcome to the Women in the Middle podcast. Thank you for having me, Susie. So super psyched. So tell me, what was going on in your life, in your 40s and 50s, that kind of led to the change? It began when my oldest son went to college. And it was just, it was a devastating experience for me when I realized that he was 18 and he was leaving home. And I felt like there was so much more I still had to teach him. And I just had a real hard time uh, making that adjustment. And I still had young children. I have four kids. There's a 10-year age range from the oldest to youngest. So my two youngest were only eight and 10. They were still young. But I realized with Jason, my oldest, the time went by in the blink of an eye. I could still remember him as a toddler and a preschooler, and now he was gone. And I knew that that time would go just as fast for the younger two. So I, I had to start 
worrying now about what was I going to do when they were gone because my life was a stay-at-home mom and that's all I knew and that's what made me happy. And when that time comes and I no longer had children at home, what was going to become of me? I'm so glad you mentioned that you noticed these feelings and thoughts about wow, I am at the brink of a change and what am I going to do? And I totally relate to what you're saying about um, that that time period right when your first kid graduates. I had that same experience and I am at, I'm remembering this um, this time when I was at the kitchen table and my kid was going to school the next day and I freaked out myself and I started to thinking about, oh my God, what are all the things I haven't yet taught you? What do I have time to do? I'm running out of time. I think I only have an hour left. I know. I think I'll talk to you about how to use a condom. <laughs> Before I knew it, I had him reading the instructions of a condom. I had a banana pulled out, and away we went. <laughs> I thought, okay, at least I can tick that off. Um, so tell me, I know that you went to school and that you have a lot of education. So when you started to think about what you might want to do and how are the next years going to go down, tell me the kind of thoughts you had about should I – um, do something that I already had some education with, or what started getting you thinking about the direction that you finally took? I have two uh, degrees, one in nursing and one in psychology. And so I worked as a psychiatric nurse uh, before I stayed home with the kids. And it, I was done. I didn't want to go back to that. I didn't want to go back to nursing at all. And I didn't really want to go back to doing counseling and all. I just didn't know what I wanted to do, but I knew I didn't want to do that again. And anything I was going to do, I probably would need to go back to school and uh, get more education. So when you were thinking about that, you still had kids at home. How were you entertaining this thought of actually going back to school? I started small. I went with things I was interested in. I was interested in genealogy. So I went back to get a certificate in genealogical research and tested the waters that way. And that went well, but it wasn't something I thought I could really enjoy doing and make a living at. I was interested in researching my family. I wasn't much interested in researching anybody else's. Uh, through my research, though, I did find that we had lost several generations um, of family in the Holocaust. So now I was interested in Holocaust studies. And I got a certificate in Holocaust uh, I guess it was Holocaust studies. And um, again, I was I had to write a lot, do a lot of research, write a lot of papers. I was able to do it at that level. And so I, t what am I going to do with all this information? I, I felt like I had a lot of knowledge. What was I going to do with it? So I decided to start volunteering at our local Holocaust museum. And while I was doing that, I realized I love museums. I love history. Maybe I, there's some way I could work together, put this all together into a career. And that's when I decided I would like to work in a museum and started researching uh, museum studies programs at the master's level. I love that. I love that you noticed that you found something you loved. And what I notice about so many women in the middle is we are so disconnected from even thinking about what it is that we love. Mm -hmm. And to even allow yourself to go there, but now you had started to dive in a little bit, you were actually doing the work, but you were doing the work with kids at home. I can't even believe that you had so much going on in your house and that you were diving in. But at this point you noticed that, oh, okay, I, I think I have discovered a passion and you were ready 
to dive in. So what was it like for you to uh, actually make the commitment to dive in at that level? Well, it couldn't, I couldn't, obviously I couldn't move to go to school. There was limited programs that I was interested in and I couldn't leave to go to school. So I had to find a program that I could do online, a limited residency. And I found one at Johns Hopkins University that was very uh, engaging for me. And uh, of course I was scared. Can I work at the master's level with, I still had kids at home. I hadn't been to school in a long time. I took I got accepted into the program and I took one course, tested the waters, and I did really well. I got an A plus. I'm like, oh, I could do this. <laughs> and it was it was a balance because I had to still take care of my kids. They were in two different schools in two different towns, different from the town we were living in. So they had to be taken care of. They had all their extracurricular activities. I had my volunteer work. And now I had to add school on top of that, besides my husband in my house. <laughs> so <laughs> it was busy. It was very busy, but it was for two years. If I went to school full time, I could do it in two years. And when you break it down to smaller bites like that, it seemed more manageable. So for two years, I could make myself crazy and knock it out and get it done. And when you were working so hard at getting it done, did you ever question your ability to manage the workload? Or did you find most of the fear about your ability to do it came at the beginning? It was hard. I'm, I'm not going to sugarcoat it. It <laughs> was hard. It was a lot of work. It was a lot of sleepless nights. It was a lot of uh, pressure and stress. But like I said, it was only for two years. And so, you know, if I can get through this semester, if I can get through this week, if I can get through this month, I broke it down into the smallest bite sizes I could and took it a day at a time. And before I knew it, the two years were up and I had my degree. And I'd also done some many wonderful internships during this time to get more hands-on experience, which is so important. You, know, you can't just show up with your degree. They want to know you could actually do the work. So on top of everything else I was doing, I was working three days a week at uh, the George Bush Museum and uh, Library. They were just in the process of opening that up. So I added that onto my plate. But again, you just break it down into small bites and it's manageable. I love your story because you do have such a busy family life and you found a way to really, you know, I know it sounds like an Oprah moment, but to really follow your dreams. And now that you think about um, the course that you're on in museum studies and working in a museum, when you think back to your childhood, can you see any evidence um, of this interest at a young age? My family, we really, they didn't take us to museums. I wasn't uh, really all that interested in history in school. This is, these are passions that I developed as I got older. Once I had my children, we, they grew up going to museums. That was just really something that was important to us. Museums outside of a regular uh, schools is the next biggest educational institutions. And you can learn so much about art and history and culture by going to museums. So that was huge for us. We took the kids to lots of museums and Ken and I, my husband realized we had a deep passion now for museums. And then I was drawn to history. I don't know why, but the history museums were the things that really interested me most. I would love to just step back in time and experience what it was like in all these different time periods. If I can go back for a day, those were kind of the things that I would think in my head, I would love to recreate these scenes and these time periods. And I have to say, I don't want to forget to say this, that I couldn't have done this without the support of my husband. You know, because there were so many nights where we ordered pizza or, you know, I couldn't cook. I didn't have the time and he helped run the errands. And um, I couldn't, you know, 
yes, I had a husband and kids and I didn't do it all by myself. You know, he was a big part of it. And the kids also, there were things I couldn't attend, you know, at their school or do whatever, because I had a deadline uh, with a paper or whatever. So it was a, it was a family affair. That sounds like a really accurate depiction of what it's like. And you women in the middle out there, one thing I have to tell you is one of the other reasons I'm super excited to connect with Patty about all of this is that Patty and I are cousins, but we didn't meet each other until yesterday. And we had been connected on Facebook by my Aunt Jane. And she knew that we would have a lot in common because of Patty's and my passion and interest in the past and our family history. And Patty, because she has official training in genealogical research, she has been able to really fill in the blanks on a lot of our family tree. And um, she has been so much fun to connect with on Facebook for the last four or five years. And she's been able to help identify these old family photos because I am the keeper of a giant box of Rosenstein family photos that have survived the Katrina hurricane and a massive flood in our basement. And I have these photos and sometimes I will scan them and upload them onto um, the, you know, one of the websites that we use to track the tree. And Patty and her, um, and her connections are able to help identify them. So that's one thing I wanted to share about um, how much fun it is to connect with Patty. And then the other thing is, as a lot of you know, I have had a really weird crazy, unusual experience with the Museum of Modern Art in the last year. And knowing that Patty is a professional working in museums, it has been amazing just to talk to somebody, another family member who has such an interest and an appreciation for how cool museums can be and how you just never know what you're going to learn and get from museum. So one other question I have for you is now that you're on the other side of your education and you have... I guess you're five years into the decision Mm -hmm. of I want to do something else with my life now and I want to focus professionally on something. What what are some of the lessons that you've learned? Because so many of the people I talk to, my clients and the people listening to the podcast, they are a few years behind you and they know that they need to make a change. They either feel stuck or frustrated with what they're doing or like you, their kids are getting older and they're just beginning to think, "Uh uh-oh, I need to find something, uh, or I might be bored, or I I may not feel fulfilled. So now that you're on the other side of it, and you have an amazing job, and and you've done your education, you set the bar high, what are some of the things that you can share, some insight, maybe some advice to other women who are thinking, just starting to entertain these ideas, but they aren't quite there yet, they have not made a decision? Find something that you are interested in and you think that this might be a possibility of something you'd like to explore further, whether it's through a job or whatever, just volunteer. That's get, gain the experience, see if it's something that you really do like and, you know, put yourself out there and, uh, you might find that, yeah, I thought I was interested in it, but it's really not, not my thing. Or you just have to keep trying. Like first I tried the genealogy, then I tried the Holocaust. You know, I kept trying different things until for me, they all actually blended together and clicked. But for other people, you know, it might be something, someone might be interested in painting or writing or something. You give it a try and see if it really is not only something that you truly are interested in and passionate about, but something you're good at. 
I mean, you might think, hey, I'd love to paint. And then you try and go, I have absolutely no talent in this. But yet you have to try it. Try a little bit of everything until something clicks. Something will speak to you. That's how it worked for me. That's amazing advice. And I'm so glad you mentioned writing. I can't tell you how many of my clients talk to me about wanting to be a writer. They either want to write, um, write in cards, like they have little stories and little sayings and, and they're poetic, or they want to write narratives every once in a I even had a, have had clients who want to write fiction, but nobody is writing. They want to write, but they're too afraid to put themselves out there. And I always recommend to start with a blog. A blog is the lowest risk thing you can start with. It is so easy. uh, I recommend WordPress. It's so easy to just, I looked up a YouTube video, how to write a blog. And I just did exactly the, the steps that were in the YouTube video. But it's at least when you've identified that you want to write and then not to write, you are so focused on yourself and your own fears. And what I always recommend when people start to be too afraid to even take the first step is to think about the people that you might be able to help or that you might be able to entertain or that you might be able to teach. And the minute that you're able to shift your focus on that instead of yourself and you're able to get over your own self, it is so much easier to be in a position to give. And so I think also in your story, when you talked about being fearful, can I still be a student? And clearly you're highly motivated, maybe even a bit of an overachiever. (laughs) Once you got over yourself and you tested the waters a little bit and you gave yourself an opportunity to volunteer professionally and to also um, take a course and you, you built up your confidence and then you did get into being able to think about, wow, what am I going to be able to do? What kind of a contribution am I going to be able to make once I get going? So can you tell me, tell us a little bit about what you do and what your favorite thing is now about your new career. I'm a curator at a historic house museum and I am responsible for the exhibits in the museum. I'm also responsible for, I wear three hats. I'm the curator, but I'm also the registrar, so I'm responsible for all of the paperwork with loans, uh, acquisitions of new objects, um, all that kind of stuff. And then I'm also the collections manager, so I'm responsible for caring for the collection and making sure that the objects are being historically preserved or being preserved for history so that generations from now, that this they'll still be around. And so it's I love it. I love it. It's it's so exciting. I just did a, a wonderful exhibit on the Great Depression. And uh, our mission of our museum is we focus on life on the Blackland Prairie. So I did an exhibit on the Depression and how it affected families on the Blackland Prairie. And it's just so fun. I brought in interactive kiosks with radio shows. I have mannequins that I recorded some tapes so they talk to you. And I've really... Um, it's not your old-fashioned, stuffy, um, historic house museum. When you come in, it's, it's very, it, I focus on more um, multi-sensory. So I have different scents in the rooms, and it's, it's just so fun, and I love it. I love bringing history back to life, because when you go in here, I've got mannequins that are dressed up and playing a 1935 Monopolies game, and so it looks like um, you can picture what it was like going back in time. And that was what I always wanted to do, step back in time. And now I get the chance to recreate that for other people. 
you were adorable to watch as you're talking about it. You're just so excited. Can you please tell us two things? First of all, what is Blackland Prairie? I have no idea. It sounds like a Texas thing. And then the other thing is the name of your museum so that anybody who's local or visiting in the area can come say hi. Well, Blackland Prairie is just a, a part of the area that we have black soil. And so that, gosh, and you've got me here, but it, it's, it extends from a part of Oklahoma all the way down kind of through the center of Texas. And um, the museum is the Heritage Farmstead Museum, and it's in Plano, Texas. And we're on four acres. So not only is it a historic house, but we have other outbuildings. We have fun farm animals. We have sheep and goats and donkeys and chickens and roosters. And it's it's like a, a real farm. So you have to come and visit. It's so, it's so fun. And we have all kinds of great events. And um, I, I can't encourage you enough if you're in the area. It's like one of the number one things to do in Plano if you Google us. So come out and, and uh, spend a day at the farm and come see my exhibit. I am so excited. <laughs> so that's what we're going to do right now. Patty's going to take me out and we're going to check out her museum and exhibits. And I am excited because this is my first time in Plano. So Patty, thank you so much for sharing your story with Women in the Middle. One thing that we know for sure, and that is that we are not alone. We have to stick together. And your story was really inspiring. So thank you. Thank you so much for being with us. Everybody, that's it for this episode. If you would like what you heard, just head over to Women in the Middle podcast on iTunes and leave me a review. Check out the show notes with more information and links at www.susierosenstein.com. So let's do this, ladies, one scary yet potentially motivating and exciting thought at a time. Thanks so much for listening. Mm-hmm.